Well, we have uh, nearly come to the end of uh, Paul's um, exploration of Abraham's life as an, a uh, proof that salvation is given by faith alone without any works. Isn't it interesting, as I have said many times now, that he calls upon the Old Testament to prove salvation by faith alone? And that is so important for us to realize because there are so many Christians who don't, who are missing out on uh, great truth in the Old Testament because they think the Old Testament is about law, that God saved people by law in the Old Testament and saved people by grace in the New. Well, that is sheer nonsense. It does not line up at all with the message of the gospel. The gospel message is that God has always saved people by faith alone. He has always brought to them his grace. Now, I want you to think of this in a number of ways. Um, if you were to go to the book of Revelation and look at chapter 12, it says that Satan was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying to in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ has come, for the accuser has been cast down. That's Revelation 12, verses 9 and 10. You may wonder why I've suddenly jumped to Revelation here when talking about the Old Testament. But hang on, just bear with me and uh, hear me out. Since Christ is immediately mentioned here in relation to Satan's downfall, the implication is that the major conflict is between Christ and Satan. Satan's issue with Christ involves, uh, revolves around the creation of mankind. Since Christ's salvation is noted, you see, in that verse, and his salvation is, in a major part, saving humankind from Satan who wants to destroy it. So the goal of bringing down mankind has the ultimate goal of defeating Christ. Satan is trying to defeat Christ. But where is this taking place? In heaven. Now, notice this. The conflict reveals... An unexpected twist in this verse, Romans, uh, Revelation 12, 9 and 10. The emergence of Christ's salvation and strength and kingdom is directly linked to Satan's being cast to the earth. The wording indicates that the act of casting Satan to the earth signals the end of the war in heaven, not its continuance by its transfer to earth. Read it for yourself, as I say, Revelation 12, verses 9 and 10. Christ's salvation is revealed, and the power of his kingdom, by virtue of the casting of Satan to the earth. So, though it's a thing of woe, as it says in the verse, for the inhabitants of the earth, that Satan arrives here, the awesome paradox is that his presence on earth is a signal of his defeat. Now, just hold on. Don't wonder where I'm going. Just listen to what I'm saying. The awesome paradox is, as I just said, that his presence, Satan's presence on earth, is a signal of his defeat. Read it again. The power of God's Christ has come, for the accuser has been cast down. So when Satan is cast down to earth, the battle is already won. 
which means that the great issues brought to the fore by Lucifer against Christ and humanity in God's image are already settled and the outcome is sure. Now this, you see, is a key to understanding the history of humanity and particularly that history covered in the Bible. Evil is not a permanent thing. It exists for a period of time, even though it covers the entire history of humankind. The Bible doesn't present a dualism of equal forces fighting for ascendancy with the outcome still in, uh, in question. Contrary to appearances, biblical history is not about some celestial tug of war between good and evil, one side gaining the upper hand for an epoch, and then the other side as if victory of good and evil were up for grabs. No, on the contrary, the Bible reveals from Genesis to Revelation that God's sovereignty is uh, decided and rules over all. For instance, let me give you these verses. O Lord God, our fathers, are you not God in heaven, and do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations, and in your hand is there not power and might, so that no one is able to withstand you? That's Second Chronicles 20, verse 6. And what about this? Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, the victory, and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. That's First Chronicles 29, verses 10 and 11. And what about this? The Lord Most High is awesome. He is a great king over all the earth. God reigns over the nations, for the shields of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. That's Psalm 47, verses 2 and 7 and 9. And you see, I'm talking about all this because I'm telling you that the Old Testament is not law. It is God's kingdom being revealed and its victory and salvation being revealed, while Satan keeps lying to us, telling us that the kingdoms of the world are his. Now, Jesus, while on earth, must have been looking back at Lucifer's defeat when his 70 missionary trainees returned from their assignment and told him that even the demons were subject to his name. Jesus responded, "'I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven.'" You remember that in Luke ten eighteen, And on the occasion when Jesus himself was being accused of insanity and of being the chief of demons, casting out demons, his surprising retort was to compare himself to a burglar breaking into someone's house. He first overpowers the owner, ties him up, and then plunders his goods. That's in Mark three twenty-seven. Now, in this graphic imagery, he was explaining that the only way he was able to cast out demons and set people free from them was by first entering the devil's dark hangout and overpowering Satan himself and tying him up. And the fact that he was freeing people from demon possession was proof that he had done that very thing. There was no other way he could have made off with Satan's enslaved children. Now also recall that when Jesus set that possessed man free, you remember, the demons cried out, "'What have we to do with you, Jesus, you Son of God?' 
Have you come here to torment us before the time? That's in Matthew eight twenty nine. These demons were talking to Jesus fully clued in to what the deal was. They knew the game was up, that the war was settled, and they knew who had won it, and that the presence of the Son of God himself on earth was confirmation of their status as prisoners of war. There is, in fact, no instance in the Gospels where the demons were able to disregard Christ's authority. And have you ever noticed, it shouldn't go unnoticed regarding that encounter Satan had with God in reference to Job, that Satan, when challenging the motive behind Job's loyalty to God, had to get permission from God to put him to the test by bringing devastation on Job's family and properties, and finally on Job himself. He was not free to act out of his own supposed sovereign rule, So transparent, in fact, is this to Job's biographer, the guy who wrote the book of Job, that when Job experiences these catastrophes raining down on all that is precious and meaningful to him, the writer records Job as affirming that all these things came from the Lord. That's Job 1, verses 21 and 2, verse 10. Satan isn't even acknowledged, even though he's recorded as having caused it all. So, since Satan has been cast to the earth as a defeated enemy, he could not have done these things to Job without God's permission. The ultimate determinant then was God. You see where we're going with this? The Old Testament is God's grace. It is the story of Satan's defeat because he was cast to the earth after the war in heaven where Christ won the victory in heaven before the world was ever created. His sovereign power, his salvation were declared when Satan was cast to the earth. The purpose then of human history is not to determine a war between good and evil and who will win, But the purpose of human history is to declare that God reigns in the victory of Christ and every event in the Old Testament is a declaration of that victory. That's the meaning of David and Goliath. That's the meaning of Samson knocking down those pillars. It's the meaning of all the stories in the Old Testament. Don't be fooled. When Satan comes along and says to you, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for it has all been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship me, all will be yours. You remember that in Luke 4, verses 5 through 7? There's something fishy there. Because Daniel, you remember, when he warns Nebuchadnezzar, that Nebuchadnezzar has to learn the truth about who rules in the kingdoms of the world, he says that your kingdom will be taken from you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdoms of men and gives it to whomsoever he will. So who then is telling the truth? Is Satan? Does Satan have the authority to give the kingdom of the world to whomever he wishes? Or is it the Most High? Sovereign over all who gives the kingdoms to whomever he wishes. Obviously, Satan is lying. Jesus is, in fact, 
telling us that Satan is the father of lies. Now, it's true that Jesus calls three times, calls uh, uh, Satan the ruler of this world. But in the light of the verses that we've just explored, Jesus' description can only mean that Satan rules in the sense that the world is unwittingly or or willfully, for that matter, following his ways. But it cannot be said that sovereignty has been delegated to Satan. Absolute nonsense. From what Jesus said and did in relation to Satan, as we've outlined it in this little study I'm giving you today, the devil appears on earth with a fatal wound in his head. He's as good as finished, which perhaps is the reason for his increased panic rage against the people of God in the last days. But I want you to understand this because I'd love for you to start reading the Old Testament again as the message of grace, that all that you think is law you've been misreading and misunderstanding. Even the Ten Commandments, when they were given on Mount Sinai, were not given for the salvation of Israel. They were given to an Israel already saved and for the purpose of revealing their sins so that they would continually come to him for salvation. Well, thanks for joining me today. Colin Cook here, and How It Happens. You've been listening to my program, which you can hear uh, anytime on your smartphone. Simply download a free app, soundcloud.com or podbean.com, and key in How It Happens with Colin Cook when you get there. And would you consider a donation, please, to help the ministry, to help the radio program? It's now in its 26th year, and all because of listener support. This is listener-supported radio. So please send your donation to FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160, or make your donation online at faithquestradio.com. Thanks so much, then. See you next time. Cheerio and God bless.